This episode of the Mother Loving Future Show is brought to you by Amber Lestrange and Jenna Penrose with JMO 5000 Productions. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Mother Loving Future Show. It's Amber and Jenna here. And today we have a very special, magical guest with us, Kundalini yoga teacher and founder of The Uncoil Method, Taylor Iwalker. Hi, gorgeous. Hi, Taylor. Hi, ladies. Welcome. So nice to be here. Oh. So happy you're here. So Taylor today is going to share her knowledge and wisdom and journey with us on the topic of the healing power of Kundalini Yoga. Could not think of anyone more perfect Mm. to share that wisdom with us. So thank you you again. So for more info on this topic or to check out our show notes or to sign up for some more good stuff from us, check out our website, themotherlovingfuture.com. Okay, so Taylor, do you have a definition for our listeners on kundalini yoga? I'm going to talk about kundalini energy first. Okay. So the kundalini energy is, we'll break it down. Kundal is this coiled, we'll call it the Mm. coiled serpent Mm -hmm. that rests at the base of the spine. And the lini is the line that as the uncoiling occurs, lights up through the spine and therefore lights up all of the, Mm. we'll call them subluxations that are existing within the spine and essentially lights up the human being. That's what kundalini is. I understand the uncoil method now. Right. Call it that. Yeah. Yeah. So would you say kundalini is the energy that we all have sitting in the bottom of our spine? Absolutely. That's not activated. Right. And it's there. And and some people come with more activation. Let's say, I think children have it, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and whatever's happening in our educational system. And we could always get into that if we want to go down that rabbit hole, but sometimes it gets stifled, right? That energy that is very present within children, it, it's alive. It, they're lit up. Their kundalini energy is happening. They are full creative force. And whatever happens to us as we become adults, sometimes that shrinks and it gets smaller. Mm. And it's our job to either unschool what we've stifled or wake up the parts of us that perhaps were never fully awake because of our conditioning in the first place. Mm. Beautiful. Wow. Isn't that, so we all have a secret magical power sitting in the bottom of our spines, just waiting to be, um, pulled out, unleashed. And the, the truth is that we all do have secret, unique, Magical powers. Yeah, I know. Isn't yeah. that exciting? It's, it's no, really I really cool. believe that. We're all wizards and witches mm-hmm. and have this magical wand that only if we know how to use it, mm-hmm. we can create whatever we want out of this world. Right. Okay, so okay, so how what is the technology of Kundalini yoga and how is it different from other yoga practices? Good question. So we the practice that I teach and I practice is Kundalini yoga as taught by Yogi Bhajan. And I think I actually met Amber a bit more through Kundalini, although through other areas of life as well. But Were you at the same traineeship course as me with Hari Jiwan and Aaron? I I was not in that one. I okay. went to another one at that time. Okay, got it. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, Synchronicities. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So... Um, but but we study and I mm-hmm. study kundalini yoga as taught by Yogi Bhajan. There's many forms of kundalini yoga. There's there's kundalini tantra. There's all kinds of ways to activate the kundalini. But this man, he, you know, he studied since he was very very small, eight years old, and he studied with masters. And the masters chiseled him and chiseled him and chiseled him away. And we wouldn't actually say that Yogi Bhajan was an ordinary man. He was an extraordinary. He, you know, interdimensional being. There are a lot of funny stories about Yogi Bhajan, mm-hmm. by the way. He was quite the character. Mm-hmm. But continue, yeah. And so, flash forward, he came to the West to teach yoga, and he wasn't originally intending to teach Hatha yoga or Kundalini yoga. He originally came to teach Hatha yoga. And so, he came and saw that our structure, our society really needed to be lit up. And he started teaching what is now called as Kundalini yoga as taught by Yogi Bhajan. And so all of these teachings, meditations, kriyas were downloaded 
uh, by him with the support of his students, building the manuals and the teaching materials, so on and so forth, either through his consciousness, through his the learned experiences that he had through studying with his teachers. And that's what we are doing today. Uh-huh. So mm-hmm. the Kundalini Yoga that you teach and learnt about is an adaptation from the original ancient kundalini yoga style adapted by yogi bhajan yes created what what year was yogi bhajan he 70 he came to the west in 68 (gasps) perfect timing yeah yeah and then came to los angeles in 69 oh my god first landed in canada some wow. funny stories about him. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't he a bit of a womanizer, Mr. Bajan? I, I, I don't, you know, he actually had women's teachings. Like he, oh, okay. he was, he was here For the women. to teach the women. Got it. Yeah. He spent two months out of the year just training women. Mm. And he, the men were complaining so much that he wasn't actually giving them any attention. <laughs> and he finally was like, okay, I'll give you two weeks. <laughs> Maybe he was just checking out the the suitors, the the the, the people, the, the the ladies he'd like to take on dates. Maybe yeah. that was it. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I love you, Bajan. Um, so tell us how this style is different, technically different from the average yoga style, which mm-hmm. most people are familiar with, Ashtanga or Hatha. Yeah. Well, it encompasses a lot of elements to it. And so if you came to a class, you might notice that things are based on time or practices are based on time. You might also notice that we do a lot of repetitive motions with our physical body being that we do it with our arms or we do it with our legs or we hold particular positions for very long periods of time. Whereas in other forms of yoga, they do that more with making a shape out of the physical form, but we're kind of using uh, the science of uh, angles and and uh, degrees mm-hmm. and st- different structures with the body mm-hmm. to create a conductive energy. So you're connecting with the cosmos, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. Is that like you're, you're using your body as an antenna? Exactly. The fingers are antennas, the arms become antennas, and, and the entire body becomes an antenna to create conductive electromagnetic frequency energy. And is that why you have a particular time connected to particular careers or movements. Yes, that's correct. And then we've got mantra, which is the big power force behind Kundalini yoga. Everything, I mean, first was the word and the word was God, right? It Mm. came throughout all different spiritual traditions. Doesn't matter what you look at, you're going to see that first was the word and the word was God. Mm -hmm. But first, you know, first was the word and and then, you know, light was the message. Mm. And then was the manifestation. Exactly. First starts with the word. First oh, I with the love word. this whole concept of mantra. Tell us about, just tell us all about mantra. So <laughs> when, when, yeah, when we're chanting mantra and we chant a particular language, it's called Gurumukhi and it works when you use the tongue with this particular language and Yogi Bhajan, he got really kind of esoteric with it, but he said that Gurumukhi particularly comes from the nine celestial bodies of the cosmos and you're essentially tapping into an alien language. Ah, oh. So Dope. it's not a human language, this language. I mean, yes, he, but it's a human language. He, but, but, but he created people, a new language, Yogi He Bhajan. created it or do people speak it? People, people do not speak it. It's okay. only... In Kundalini Yoga as he created it. Kundalini Yoga and in the Sikh tradition, okay. people read from the city Guru Granth Sahib and it is this, it is a religious, you know, in their Sikh religious tradition, it is their language. But it is ah. not a spoken dialect in any part of India. It's used for religious purposes. Oh, wow. But he said where it actually came from is the nine celestial bodies of the cosmos. Cause he said, he, I'm not a religious man. You know, his thing was like, I am I'm not a religious a scientific man, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I was placed in this religious place because, you know, they think I hold some sort of power and energy and you know, the head of the Sikhs or whatever. But he said, was Yogi Bhajan a Sikh? Yes. Okay. To just tell us quickly what Sikhism, what it, what a Sikh is. Uh, well, they they tend to come from a particular part of India. Mm-hmm. They tend to have a, a particular set of uh, 
ways with which they uh, they'll carry their their kata on their on their wrist, which stands they hold the hold steel around their wrist, and they have all of these different uh, technologies. That they don't cut their hair, right? They don't cut their hair, and they wear a, a, a yeah a turban, but also a sword. They wear right? a turban. They wear a sword, and so the idea of these these people is that they are sage warriors. Warriors, and um and and that God is within them. Hmm. But that is a teaching of of Kundalini Yoga as well and other spiritual traditions. Wow. Okay, so Yogi Bhajan was a Sikh. Yes. But he created a new lineage. If you seek, you shall find. <laughs> hey, hey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. And so, oh, wow, this is... Okay, so going back to mantra. Yeah. Can you talk to us about... Um, on the roof of our palate, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, the palate, the roof of our mouth, how there's um, systems in the roof of our mouth which activate certain parts of the brain. And isn't mantra designed almost for your tongue to hit those particular power points in, in our mouth to activate certain parts of our brain? Is that, am I yes. going on the right track here? Yes, we okay. have 84 meridian points in the mouth. Mm-hmm. And when we use mantra and we chant mantra, it opens up the 84 meridian points. He also says that we have 84 facets of the human mind, 84 chakras in the mind. Wow. And so with mantra, we're opening up particular facets within the meridian points and opening up different aspects of the mind. So say a person wants to build a business from the ground up and they want to start a structure, but they have no idea how to do it. And they have no idea where the funds are going to come from. And they have, it's a confusing thing. They're like, tap into the magic of Kundalini yoga. Exactly. It shall supply it. So there's a, so there, you know, like there's an app for that. There's a mantra for that. Yeah. And, and you can use a particular mantra to pull from the energy of the universe, right? Mm -hmm. Which is infinite. Like Mm -hmm. we have infinite energy that we could have the potential to tap into at Mm -hmm. any moment in time. And so you can pull from the energy to then draw it forth towards you. So the Kriya, which is the set, Mm -hmm. the Kundalini Yoga set, would involve... But that's the set of motions? No, well, it's going to involve mantra, movement, and... um, and what else? Pranayama. And, and, and breath. Mm-hmm. Great. So those three elements in a Kriya, so in a Kundalini Yoga set, would all be designed to cohesively attract the particular thing, whether it be healing, whether it be growing a business, resilience, love, whatever it is. So different Kundalini Kriyas have different themes. Yeah, exactly. So I love this practice because it's so systematic and you can look through the manuals and the teachings and kind of see, well, this is a Kriya for the radiant body. So you can open up the aspect of the radiant body within you and open up that noble and royal and regal and bright and shining leader Mm -hmm. inside of you by doing this practice called the radiant body set and the Mm. meditation for the radiant body is actually very straightforward and, and albeit looking like it's very practical, it's tapping into a lot of very deep esoteric wisdom Mm. that most yogic traditions don't actually get into unless you've been studying for a couple of decades. Mm. The technology, the ancient technology, so powerful and exciting. That's the magic wand. I, I remember doing my traineeship course and discovering there's a career for everything mm-hmm. and that you just have to start in that system and continue it and then you can call that in and create that move towards that in your life. It's, exactly. It's, it's also comforting knowing that there is almost a higher power that lives within ourselves, but that is also available for us to utilize. Exactly. And, and go ahead. <laughs> well, I was just going to ask, so all of the mantra and, and Kriya, it's all to awaken the, uh, uncoil the serpent, right? Yeah. Uncoil that, that thing that lights us up. And do you think, cause clearly you guys have done Kundalini yoga and you're, you know, teach it and everything. Do you feel as though your serpent has uncoiled? Oh yeah. I, you know, when and life starts getting more chaotic, you know, you've <laughs> woken up the, the, the serpent, yeah. right? And so do you think that was it like a, was it like a, 
Kundalini awakening experience that you had, or do you think it like kind of uncoiled slowly, or was it really like shocking when it you happened? Would I know, know some if people... you busted open your yeah. Kundalini suddenly, right? There's like this whole experience of Kundalini awakening. I, I mean, at least I remember if someone awakens their Kundalini too quickly mm-hmm. and isn't prepared to integrate it, mm-hmm. it can be really scary and damaging, totally. like a hallucinogenic experience. I know people have I lost had their that, hair. And, I had yeah. that happen. Yeah, no I way, you hear, had that happen to you? Not through Kundalini yoga, though. Oh, through was Tantra? It, was it before? It was before. Well, actually, I was a practitioner at the time. and Of? Uh, Kundalini yoga. Oh, okay, yeah. And a a mentor slash shaman that Mm -hmm. I was seeing. Wait, when you were saying seeing, (laughs) you mean like seeing? Seeing, seeing for healing. Okay, okay. He did breath work sessions, mm-hmm. and he had he was known to have taken on the consciousness of Osho and had the power and the energy to open up people's Kundalini energy. Mm-hmm. And I was very fascinated by that. And I was mm-hmm. also a bit young and uh, naive, and I wanted I wanted power back mm-hmm. then. I wanted power and I wanted energy, and I really was ready to awaken that inside of myself. I wasn't. I didn't think that. I was at that time really open to a graceful ev- evolution. And so mm-hmm. I was like really seeking. Quick fix. Yeah. yeah. And those who seek shall find. <laughs> <laughs> and so I went to his, I went to his uh, back office and where we did our sessions and it was the first time I'd ever seen him. And, and he, we did breath work session together. And then when he, he hit my chest three times and asked me to lean my head back and when I left, when I leaned my head back, held my breath, and he pumped my chest three times, I left my body. And I, I didn't, when I came back into what was my body, I didn't know my name. I was convulsing. I was terrified. I was, I, I didn't know what was happening. And it was very, very scary. And we did that four more times. Whoa. within the the hour and I think it was I wouldn't dare say that it was damaging it was all part of my evolution and my my growth to who I am now but it, it was, was a lot really intense and so how did your life change after that mm-hmm. well I mean I always say that if you're doing spiritual practice that it's not a pretty picture no. it's not you white be prepared to be slammed yeah <laughs> Yeah. At least at this point in history. Exactly. Maybe in the future it'll be easier. Right. And the, when we enter into the Aquarian age full full time, then yeah, maybe it'll be different. Yeah, you should listen to our podcast, Life Breakdown, Spiritual Breakthrough. Mm. No, Spiritual yeah. Breakdown. No, you're yeah. right. No, Life, life, breakdown. life breakdown, Spiritual Breakthrough, yeah. where we discuss the fact that it's not easy. And you're call, when you're calling an evolution, it looks, it doesn't look pretty. Yeah. It's, it's hard. Yeah. And so you got your Kundalini awakened. Mm-hmm. And I went, did you know how to integrate it? I mean, I felt like I had enough grounding practices, and I am a pretty grounded human, so mm-hmm. I, I was able to integrate it. But it's taken me a really long time to kind of manage all the energy that I have received over the last many years. Because I've been a yoga practitioner for twenty years, Kundalini mm-hmm. for about thirteen, mm-hmm. and um, and I've been receiving a lot, a lot over the last many, many years, and. So would you say that after that awakening experience that you just became more of an open channel that was able to kind of receive information? I wouldn't say that I processed it super clearly for a long time. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. can you tell us about the physical, mental experience of having your kundalini activated that suddenly? The mind becomes sharper. The eyes become sharper. uh, The body becomes more sensitive. And uh, life as one knows it is actually feeling more intense. So, so we take on more, we observe more, we see more. And essentially, if I could compare it to anything, it's like we've been able to turn the lights on in a room that actually was quite dim and we see the dust in the corners that need to be swept up or cleaned up a little bit. So would you say your sensory system has been activated or is awake to a greater degree than yeah. before? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the sensory the sensory sensory system is is a lot more bold and uh, 
uh, you know, aware. Wow. Far out. That's a crazy experience. Mm -hmm. But it has, how has that, um, changed your life, embellished your life? What have you created since that point through the activation of that? Yeah. It's an an interesting conversation because I've always been a really creative person. I've always been a very artistic person. I had no idea that I would come into the world guiding people to do that, become more of who they are into their fullest expression and, and teach people how to do that with their bodies as well. I always thought I would be an artist and I went to art school and I, I started with fashion and I, then I moved towards things that were a bit more conceptual like video art and performance art. And I was doing all kinds of work like that. And I came out to Los Angeles to move more into that world. And I, I quickly saw that it was, uh, I, I kept coming up against limitations within myself that I didn't really feel like I, I could, I could do it. And I always had insecurities and limitations and I knew that I, I had the power inside of me, but there was just some block. Conditioning of the mind. Yeah. And so when I started my practice, all of a sudden, some of these insecurities and the conditions and the not believing in myself and not looking at myself as this holy, radiant woman that is is totally capable and totally powerful and totally lovely could create anything that she really wants. And the heartbreak that I think that I had carried since I was a kid started to lift and the heartbreak from all of the relationships and the things that never worked out in my creativity or the projects that never really fully came to fruition or the places where I would stop myself from fully finishing anything, that started to, that part of me that would stop myself in all of those ways from being fully expressed actually started to naturally fade away. Mm. And I kept wanting to fight it, right? I don't want to be that person anymore. I, I want to be this person. And, and I had this idea about who I wanted to be. But with the practice, the, I, those tendencies started to fall away. And I found myself becoming a new being mm. when I stopped trying mm. to become a new person. It just sounds wow. like freedom. You're freed up from the inhibitions of your conditioning of the brain and your history and just getting out of your own way to be fully empowered right? in every aspect. Right. And there's always more to uncover, right? Of course. Yeah. And, but the, the, the thing that I knew that is, I was always here to share something really big with people on the planet. I knew that I was. And, and Kundalini yoga has helped me get my word out there, allowed me to really trust that I have a really incredible gift, something totally unique and purposeful. And I get to look into the eyes of people on a daily basis and support them and help them light up within themselves. Mm. That's what I love about Kundalini is that you're getting involved with practices and technologies which... Uh, activate the healer within you you're not outsourcing from anyone else you get to develop that sense of um, power within yourself which then leaks out to all aspects of your life I love that it's really about empowering yourself rather than you know looking for that in other people to help you exactly it's it's human sovereignty Mm. how did you discover kundalini I I I stumbled into Golden Bridge. As we I, all did I back heard in the day. They had a really cool vegan cafe and yeah. I wanted to try it. What's Golden Bridge? Golden Bridge is like a very, like one of the original, if not the original renowned Kundalini yoga houses, Guru Muk, who did she, she was kind of one of the big Kundalini yogi like teachers in LA and Golden Bridge was a very um, prominent Kundalini yoga practice. Yeah, studio. Where I'm just curious as to where it is. Was it on La Brea? No, where was it? It was in West Hollywood. It was behind the arc light and then... That's it, Coenga. Before that, (laughs) it was a few blocks. It was in Hollywood. Yeah, okay. And before that, it was a few blocks uh, east of that. Yeah, like off Hollywood Boulevard, like a few blocks back from the mayhem Mm -hmm. was this sanctuary and magic 
magical headquarters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's I remember. It's since closed, and all the, all of their locations in LA have closed. Is that Santa Monica still up? It is not. Oh, that's gone now. Okay. Yeah, so we have other yoga centers with teachers mm-hmm. that were at at Golden Bridge that are now still teaching in in Los Angeles and who are my teachers. Great. Yeah. So you just stumbled in because you heard it had a great vegan cafe and you're like, oh, they do yoga too. I'm going to just check it out. I need a stretch. Then you walked out kundalini yoga activated awakened oh that wasn't my story actually (laughs) i know i'm just kind of like trying to make it dramatic for the listeners it's more dramatic than that actually oh my god oh good oh scrap that (laughs) so i uh i was a very militant ashtanga yoga practitioner that uh you know, nothing, nothing got past me in my Ashtanga yoga. No, no date, no good time. I would be yeah. in bed before <laughs> 11 and I would wake up at 4.30 and I was going to my Ashtanga practice Monday through Saturday <gasps> with the exception of new and full moons. Wow. You're a warrior. That's yeah, what you got to do. You got to, you're in your warriorship. Mm-hmm. This and is amazing. Preparing for you the battle the of consciousness. For success in life. <laughs> I can already tell. <laughs> and, and nothing got past it not even a good date i'll tell you oh girl you were serious <laughs> i was on a date actually and i was like gotta go sorry yeah, we're having a really good time but i have practice in the morning so i gotta go <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious and he was like okay well uh maybe we'll hang out again and i'm like yeah, yeah maybe sure. <laughs> does ashtanga have like a sadhana type practice it is like a sadhana. It's different. It's uh, the way that I practiced. And some people do this do this alone. But I actually went to a place with my teacher. And we practice what's called Mysore. And it is a, it's not totally self-guided. But it's self-driven and initiated. Whereas it's not a led class hmm. by a teacher. But a teacher is in the room. And one would explore a series that they are working on ultimately completing. And so it's a completion of several different series hmm. in the practice of Ashtanga yoga. And the teacher is the one to give you a new posture when he or she sees that you are ready to take one on. Hmm. My teacher was very stern with me and very disciplined. I would be on postures for months and months and months. My gosh. Wow. The same thing every day damn day, which I still do the same thing. But every day. how incredible <laughs> that sets you up for the rest of your life. That type yes. of diligence, that's so diligent. pushing things through until the completion. How did you mentally, how did you mentally like overcome the, like just boredom maybe even of doing the same thing over and over and like just having mm. that amount of, of, I don't know what I'm trying to Repetition? say. Repetition? Yeah. Just diligence and I never felt bored. I was always striving to make each day better. Mm. And I also would show up and I would cry sometimes because it was sometimes it hurt so bad. Mm. My my physical body actually was so sore and achy and and I, I, my teacher, he was not sensitive with me at all. He had, and I'd walk out of the room. I remember I was like an emotional, you know, early 20 year old, 19 year old. And I, I was, I was working it out. You know, I was working out my, uh, my authority issues for sure as well. And you are a Leo, right? I'm a Libra. Yeah. Oh, you're a Libra? For, for some reason I thought you were a Leo. But uh, I have a stellium. In the 11th house, which is the house of Aquarius, and a stellium would make anybody ultimately look like the opposite house. And so the opposite house of Aquarius is Leo. Oh, that's what I was picking up on. I thought so. (laughs) You're so intuitive. I'm so psychic. (laughs) So... Um, any, anyhow, I was working out my authority stuff. Mm. Amazing. And I, I showed up to golden bridge and I was still, I was, 
ashtanga is the best. Ashtanga is the only practice. It's the only one that's really going to make you the best version of yourself. I mean, I was so rigid. It's, I had to uncover that part of myself too, Mm. that I was really rigid Mm. and, and to, to be more fully expressed is to just allow myself a little bit more space Mm -hmm. to just soften. Mm -hmm. And that's been my, that's been the grace and growth that I've actually had was to soften because I can't, I can create structure and rigidity Mm -hmm. and discipline actually relatively easily. Yeah. It seems Mm -hmm. that way. Yeah. And that's good. And or it could be, you know, yeah. something to... We were just also talking about the freedom in structure and schedule, the freedom oh, yeah. in having that routine that you can then move in and create balance in and push all the way through to the next level. And without that system, so systems that work for you in place, you're just this little flower in the wind. Yeah, and you know, you don't get what you need to get done because you just don't have that structure that's carrying you through. Right. Okay, so you're an Ashtanga <laughs> warrior. You walked into Golden Bridge. And what happened? And I wasn't so so profoundly affected by their vegan cafe, but I was <laughs> really excited about their store. And they had a store in the front and I was like, oh my gosh, these sheepskins are beautiful. Oh my gosh, these manuals are amazing. The crystals, the yeah. salt lamps, the incense. <laughs> so Welcome I, to LA. Yeah, yeah. So I started to flip through the manuals. And the first two manuals that I was ever guided to was uh, Sexuality and Spirituality by Yogi Bhajan. And which is the first manual that I ever purchased. And then I got uh, Kundalini Yoga is in your chakras. I mean, the other stuff was a bit unfamiliar to me because, and I, but I opened these up and I was, I started turning the pages and I was like, this feels ancient and this feels wild and this feels powerful and, and then maybe I'll come to a class sometime, but I have to buy these. This is me in a book. Yeah. And so I (laughs) brought them home and in the afternoons, I would start practicing kundalini yoga on my own. I had no idea what I was doing. Moon I had no lighting. idea how to tune in. I had no teacher. I had wow. no, I mean, it was, I was doing, I was, you know, searching around in the dark trying to find the light, but I was really interested. And then I said, you know what, maybe I'll, I'll go to a class. And I looked on the schedule in the middle of the afternoon class was Kundalini Yoga for Creativity, which I thought I like being creative. I want to be more creative. So I'm going to go to this lady's class. And, uh, oh, what was her name? I don't remember her name at the moment, but I, it might come to But she me. changed your life. Yeah. That lady. She did. And the first class we did 31 minutes of boat pose with breath of fire. And that was my first Kundalini Yoga class ever. <laughs> yeah. And and then the legs in the That's air, breath of fire, 60 by the way. degrees. Jenna thought I was having yeah. a panic attack. Oh my God. It's That's like breath an of ab fire. exercise. Sound fun. It was <laughs> so uncomfortable and so painful and so hard and so But you're so breaking weird. the mind. Mm-hmm. You're pushing through the, that resistance into a whole new level of capacity of how much you can hold. And then that gets applied to your everyday life. You think you've had enough and you can't, and then you just keep stretching, keep stretching. And yoga teaches you that. These poses and the timing of them and the positions of them all teach you to have those attributes in your life, right? Mm-hmm. Warriorship. That's it. And uh, it was so cool because afterwards everybody wanted to hang out and eat lunch. And I thought, well, this is so sweet. Now there's a whole community of people that want to spend time together and we can eat together and get to know each other. And everyone was so nice. Mm. And in Ashtanga, everybody came in as as an individual and left as Mm. an individual. And sometimes we would talk, but most of the time we wouldn't. We finished our practice and we left the room. Mm. And there's almost like a competitiveness, I feel, in some of those classes. Yeah. Absolutely. And so all of a sudden I felt held by strangers that I'd never met before and flash forward many years later when I went to my first white tantric yoga. But that woman that I sat with on the first day of Kundalini yoga class and had lunch and talked to the most, what ended up being my first white tantric yoga partner. And I had no idea. She said, do you know who I am? And I was like, you look really familiar. She's like, we had lunch together five years ago. And she was the teacher? She was 
a student. Oh, she's a student in that class. In that class. Oh, wow. And we sat and had lunch together, and she ended up being my partner for my first ever white tantric. Oh, my gosh. Can we just talk about white tantric and how you fall in love yeah. with your partner? <laughs> it's such, it seems like such a simple exercise, but yeah. it's such a incredibly powerful technology. Do you want to talk to white tantric and yeah. what that means? Yeah. So white tantric yoga is known as the most powerful form of kundalini yoga yoga that there is next is the gong right so we've got mm. white tantric. the sound of the universe by the way is the gong is the gong and so we've got white tantric yoga and essentially all of those that want to practice come and they gather and we all wear white and we all cover our head and we sit in straight why lines. do you wear white and why do you cover your head yeah so white increases the increases the field of the aura out into a foot and a half one of the reasons Okay. And then, uh, it also, it, it reflects energy rather than absorbs energy on a color therapy level. And then one of my teachers actually told me that Yogi Budget would make them wear white and wear turbans. So they had to explain themselves. Mm, clever. And they couldn't walk around in disguise. Mm, beautiful. As the affirmation. Right. And so, but the technical technical reason that we wear turbans is to hold uh, the skull tight, hold the energy in tight. So the it, last chakra on the top of our head, exactly. right? Exactly. Crown chakra. Yeah. So it doesn't shoot out of the head, and we don't go a little cuckoo or get uh, become airy fairy. Or and it's to contain the energy that you're activating, so it. Kind of circulates within you rather than explodes out. Exactly. Because if it does explode out, one could have headaches. One could feel lightheaded. One could become ungrounded. One could actually become a little kooky. (laughs) Uh, But you will find as you practice whether you need to wear a turban. I won't say that everybody needs to wear one. I would say that as you become more sensitive and practice more, you might find that you would want to cover your head in certain instances, but especially in white tantric yoga because we're meditating for eight, nine hours in the day. Mm. So intense. Mm -hmm. I remember waking up. I mean, sadhana, just give us a definition of sadhana because that's part of the white tantric. It's usually for seven days on the mountain, isn't it? White tantric. White tantric yoga, uh, if you do it on Ramdas Ram uh-huh. Puri, uh, you would do it for three days. Three days. Mm-hmm. And every day you're waking up for sadhana, which is at just before 4.30 a.m., is it? No, you wake uh, – the first kind of wake-up call starts at 2.45, and then oh, you, Japji begins at 3.45. Oh, yeah. that's right. And tell us again – why it's at that time. So that time is called the Amrit Vela hour. And it's uh, when the sun is at a particular angle. Uh, there's many, many reasons. But you know, it's the angle of the sun where you can get the most energy mm-hmm. in the day. It also happens from 4 to 7 p.m. Mm. So not just uh, 4 to 7 a.m. or you know, 3 to 7 a.m., but 4 to 7, 3 to 7 p.m. It's the angle of the mm. sun. So you can tap into a particular a degree of energy Mm. and in that time it's also the most quiet time of the day stillness and also i remember people telling me the veil between the earth and the cosmos is the thinnest at that time and you're most in connection with the wisdom of the universe and i also know a lot of people um not kundalini practitioners but just people i know on the consciousness path who are awake during that time that just wake up Mm -hmm. randomly during that time Mm -hmm. you know me included sometimes. Powerful manifest- manifestation time as well, I think. Totally. Okay, so you've got sadhana and then you move into the white tantric zone. And what does that practice look like? So you'd show up and, and you'd find your partner or have a partner that you go with. And you essentially sit in front of your partner knee to knee. Sometimes there's random standing meditations. Uh, but most of the time you're sitting and you're staring at your partner or you're at least sitting across from your partner. Maybe your eyes are closed at some point, but you're working with this polarity energy. And so with the polarity energy, it is said that 
the tantric energy cuts through blocks like a knife, right? Or like, it's like a, it's the lever that cuts through whatever is clouding the subconscious mind or the personal blockages. And so when you go and you practice white tantric yoga, it's like one white tantric yoga is like 26 years of meditation, I think. Mm, sign me up. It's amazing. It's amazing. Mm. It's very, very powerful. And so, and then, you know, it will take effect. It will sometimes uh, take effect 40 days. It will take 40 days to, to, to make settle. that. Mm-hmm. And I know that just the simple practice of staring at someone and allowing someone to stare at you and for you to fully be seen and to fully see another, just that practice of that element of white tantric is really deeply healing for people because the amount of people that avoid being seen or that intimacy of direct presence and eye contact is remarkable and just being forced into that space, moving through the awkwardness and wanting to turn away in the shyness and then moving into letting go. I remember seeing the person opposite me Mm shape-shifting. I would see this man turn into a little boy and then a grandpa and then a woman and this magical, magical elements would unfold during white tantric. It was quite remarkable. And the, the heart explosions and the physical things that would happen to me during moving through those blockages were magic. They were quite remarkable. The pain, the tears, the laughter, the joy, the love. Yeah. It's a human experience on steroids. It's, incredible it's it's wild and it's it's you know not for the faint of heart Mm. as well so you know it's it's if you show up you finish and there are people that don't and it's hardcore mm -hmm. I remember one the ego ego eradicator you have your um hands up like this in the air and your thumbs up and you do breath of fire I think it was a ego eradicator we had to hold that for one hour and every minute becomes excruciating (laughs) Jen is shaking her head I just couldn't I wouldn't be able to yeah you had to and sometimes you know like 6 (laughs) a.m in the morning when you're exhausted or at the end of the day when you're exhausted and you just have to hold it up and it's fascinating watching your mind wanting to pull you back and then you pushing your your mind through which pushes your physical body through and before you know it you've cracked through to another level mm-hmm. it's it was so much fun in a weird sadistic way did it help you with childbirth uh probably like it would. i mean all of that stays with you you know i probably those... could use some of that <laughs> Wow. Okay. So white tantric. And um, so what else do we want to talk about? I've got so many questions. Okay. So we've spoken about... I have a question. Yes. Um, Do you ever think that we're heading or is there a tradition within Kundalini Yoga that answers, are we heading towards an age of awakening uh, or where we're all going to have like uncoiled kundalinis yeah i definitely think so i mean we're we're at game time right now right and we have a small window of time to see if the planet and humanity can push through okay i i'm i'm a believer in our human potential i'm a believer in the goodness of human beings on this planet and that we can uh finally tune ourselves and then look at what needs to be done socially and environmentally and structurally to help this planet Mm. kind of ascend. That's everything. Yeah. That's everything. Not, you know, not, you know, the revolution (laughs) depends on everyone looking within themselves. That's the seed of change of evolution without that we're going downhill really fast yeah it's and it's not to be fatalistic and it's not to have like a negative perspective but we actually do need to show up Mm. right in a and push through and push through and and, yeah discomfort mm -hmm. and so yogi bhajan says that 20 he said 2020 one, 2023, this time is when the Aquarian age will really set in. 
I'm into it. I have that same timeline. Yeah. And he, yeah, he said that, right, we're in the Kali Yug right now. It's the dark time, mm-hmm. right? And we're going through this very dark time in in human history. Yes. And he says that, you know, it's not this warfare of the, you know, earthly warfare or, you know, uh, fighting warfare, that's not going to be the end of us. It's psychic warfare. Mm -hmm. That is the issue. And so we've really got to get our psyches into balance, which means that the way that we've expanded our mind doesn't work anymore. It destroys our nervous system. So we actually have to take on practices that build our nervous system Mm -hmm. to build our capacity Mm -hmm. to be able to have the energy inside of ourselves to be able to Mm self-assess and see what must be done because the way that our, our society trained us is to be good students, follow the rules of the, of the wrong type of system. Yeah, exactly. Good robot sheep. Yeah. Good robot sheep. And you know, where we see a problem and it's so fucking massive, we don't actually know what to do with the massive problem. And we say, Oh, well, I'll go back to flipping through Instagram. Totally. And, mm-hmm. uh, because know, I can't do anything. Yeah, I'm just little on me. The powers anything. to be yeah. can do not yeah. me. Yeah. And then, you know, maybe people are waiting to get, some sort of uh, maybe they'll, somebody will tell me what to do because mm. that's that's what we're conditioned mm. also you know somebody will tell mm-hmm. me what to do and then they'll yeah. tell me that I did a good job yeah we're an outsourced society mm-hmm. rather than being um, shown that we are empowered that we have everything with it within us to make the change we right. feel powerless really right. in this the way the system's currently set up and so when are we fully in the Aquarian age? He says like 2023. And Whoa. can you speak to Five the years. characteristics of the Aquarian age and what we're moving from? We're moving away from the Piscean age, right? It's true. So t- tell me what we're moving into, what all the goodness we can expect in 2020. <laughs> so <clears throat> we're looking at a universal perspective of how we can gain our own experiential wisdom about life, which means that the deconstruction of traditional education and institution is, yeah, (laughs) that is dissolving, right? And Mm -hmm. we see it now where podcasts, you Mm -hmm. ladies are doing this where it's free form education Mm -hmm. and people get to choose how it is they're educating themselves. That's a really, really big thing. And one of my missions on the planet is an alternative to college or edu- education where I want my uncool method to actually expand into a fully educational system yes. of how to be a fully sovereign yes. being. We were just discussing how no one teaches us the general ways of being that are going to set us up for success and happiness and health and freedom in our life. Right. It's, it's not to be a robot sheep. That's it. We need to learn about how to empower ourselves through breath, mantra, meditation, through how to be compassionate, through how to have self-care. All of those elements just we're not taught. We're not taught any of that. And also just looking at these esoteric elements as scientific, mm-hmm. as just laws of the universe that we haven't quite unfolded through real science yet, but we're getting there. Exactly. And he, he said something really cool about a particular meditation that I actually think everybody would be wise to do. It, he called it the the addiction meditation, the medical, uh, the medical habituation addiction meditation or something like <laughs> Sounds that. Sounds about right. Yeah. And um, he said that this will be in recovery centers in the future. This will be regarded by doctors as a way to heal the patterns of addiction. Because mm. in this culture that we have now, people are so laden with addiction, whether mm. it's 30 to 50 things mm. in their life that they have a habitual mm-hmm. pattern that mm-hmm. they do that is not giving them energy. In and the remedy that's prescribed is a pill. Is a pill. Or it's on a physical level, unlike Yogi Bhajan, what he's talking about is the Kundalini technology involves a spiritual connection, emotional, mental diligence and training, and the physical. Right. That, that holistic way of being, which we are, we are holistic beings, n- nothing disregards each other. Right. You, you need all of that. And our current society definitely does not 
regard all of those elements. Right. And he he says, you know, you, you got to get the glandular system into balance mm. if, if the body is, if you're going to get rid of your addiction mm-hmm. pattern. Like the glands, we actually <clears throat> train ourselves through our own habituation to secrete that sends a signal to the body that releases comfort. And so then we keep going back to that thing that makes mm. the glands secrete that releases a little bit of comfort. Mm. And we need to bust through to the yeah. next level of reality. And that's what the Aquarian Age is about. Exactly. Mm. Breaking down the old systems, rebuilding, new paradigm. Right. And actually learning what it's like to be a friend. Mm. And that's a big part of my work too in the world is like, what is friendship? I'm learning and discovering and doing my best to figure out what the true meaning of friendship is for me and how to be a really true and profound friend. Mm. And then we can actually have really true and profound relationships. Mm -hmm. But it all starts with friendship. Mm. And that is the religion of the future. And you can't have a a beautiful friendship, a real friendship, a powerful friendship, without first having that relationship with yourself. Absolutely. Yeah, that's everything. Okay, I'm calling in the Aquarian Age. Can't come soon enough. Come on, Aquarian Age. <laughs> okay, I have. I'm. I'm fascinated in, in knowing about the Kundalini Yoga. Sure, it's a practice, but I also am in the belief that it's a lifestyle and that it leaks into. It has a philosophy that you can apply to relationships, to diet, to um, all kinds of of ways of being in the world. Can are you able to talk to its philosophy around? those elements and how it shows up in your life? Yeah, I I take some of them. I don't take others of them. Perfect. Yeah, so I, um, I... It's a householder's path, kundalini yoga, which means that, you know, we're not uh, sexually abstinent. We're not going to, to meditate in caves. And, um, and he, he, Yogi Bhajan had a lot of teachings about being in relationship and how to, uh, work through one's karma to become living in a life of Dharma, which means devotion to one's own path and spiritual practice and oneself. And then, learning how to merge and live for and with another. Mm. And so he had a lot of those teachings and I'm actually very interested in those teachings and have, have actually experienced a lot of very unconventional relationships at, for a woman as my age, I'm mm-hmm. not married. I don't have children. And, uh, all of that is really you have the cutest dog ever. I have the cutest oh, little dog monkey. <laughs> Which is right here by our He's side here with us. <laughs> uh, but I, but I love, I love the idea of marriage. In its um, like truest of the true context, but the way that our society has done it uh, for the last <laughs> hundreds of years has not actually been super interesting to me. And I I want to take this philosophy of marriage and bring an Aquarian perspective to it. So uh, he he would ar- arrange marriages. Some of you know this, really? yeah. So he would arrange marriages and have people, and some of them have been married you know, since the seventies wow. and some of them did not stay married. And was it the source family into Kundalini yoga? Uh, very that? briefly. Oh, okay. Who's that? A famous cult. Yeah. <laughs> in the seventies, in the seventies in LA and Hollywood. Wait, what are they called? You just got to watch a documentary. What is the source? The source. Family. The source? So the source he family, was yeah. one of Yogi Budget's students very briefly. And then he was like, I have the power. I have the energy. I can lead a group. And he went off and he had and 10 wives 10 or whatever. Wives they were all called Galaxy and Uranus. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> and their, their last name was all Aquarian. <laughs> <laughs> their last name was all Aquarian. That's right. Mm-hmm. That was the most incredible documentary. It was great. You, you will love it, Jenna. Netflix? Uh, yeah, I'm sure. It, it has, all, that, it has all the elements of a good story, it like all cult, the elements I need. Uh-huh. crazy sexual practices, yeah. like magic, uh, all Polygamy. this amazing stuff. Yep. It was, fa- it's fascinating. It is fascinating. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was quite a character. Character for sure. Um, so, so give us a few elements of what, um, Kundalini yoga's philosophy is around relationship. Mm-hmm. What does that look like? Yeah. What do they encourage? Um, 
Well, there's masculine practices, there's feminine practices, but a lot of the, I could talk about the women practices cause that's a lot of what I teach. Some of these masculine teachings I I'm not as deeply familiar with, but, um, so, you know, he, he gave a lot of teachings for women and a lot of this was, you know, woman, you have to realize your radiance woman. You have to realize your grace and, and that you are the creator and the power Mm -hmm. of the entire universe. Mm -hmm. And, and one of these uh, poems that I'm working with right now, and he, you know, my teacher, Hadijivan, he says like, women really need to practice this right now. And it's, it's about, how could any man treat creator, divine creator of all creation in, in any harmful way? whatsoever. Mm. And, and that we have to understand that we are that, and we have to hold ourselves as that. And this means a devotion to understanding our emotional realms and understanding how to balance our emotions and not project our emotions out and become erratic and, uh, and, um, you know, flight explosive and, and, and learn how to kind of take responsibility for those emotional states, and um, and to also realize that to keep to keep ourselves in tune as to not become itchy and bitchy and naggy and you know mm. that thing that women can have the tendency to do as we get deeper into relationship and mm. we look at men and see how could they how you're, mm. you know, dumb Women, animals I, sometimes. <laughs> I, I remember also them, one of their philosophies was that women set the tone. We hold the, the, they weather hold the pattern. way. That's it. And that yeah. we lead the way. And if mm. you raise your vibration and are this beautiful, radiant representative of the light, then the men can only, but follow and meet you there. Yeah. In, in, they have to want to. Yeah, of they, course. Yeah. <laughs> we need that yeah. slight little bit of an ingredient. Yeah, they definitely have to want to. Consent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Because, you know, men could off be like, oh, I want to be Peter Pan and I want to mm-hmm. live in Never Neverland forever. And yeah, yeah, I have a few of them. That's what they all think, right? <laughs> Me too. <laughs> That's what I want too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because if we were all Peter Pan, our kundalinis would never have gotten coiled. We'd all be children forever and yeah. then this wouldn't be a conversation. Right. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And do they speak to sacred sexuality or what is their approach within that? Yeah, so he he would actually talk about um, different practices that you could do before you have sex. And so he says that sex actually begins 72 hours before the actual process, before actual intercourse. Hmm. Yeah. We're all having sex right now, by the way. <laughs> Damn. So intimate. <laughs> yeah. So, so the flirtation happens, the look in the eyes, the way that one moves around one another. And, and that building process, that slow boiling process, that's how the, the sexual experience can actually come to its most heightened state. And, and you know, if anything goes off, in those 72 hours, we'll say like if, you know, the argument happens and then you go have argument sex or I, I don't know who does that anymore. <laughs> I definitely don't, but, um, <laughs> but twin flame relationships still do. I'm sure people do. <laughs> and, and that's actually not consummating in the sexual, uh, spiritual, sacred sexuality. That's, you know, you're working out your tensions with mm. each other. Mm. in those types of dynamics. Mm. And so when we're joining together in sacred sexuality, he had this theory that it starts 72 hours before. And you can even do practices to open up the divine horniness. (laughs) Uh I love it. The (gasps) H-bomb. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, great. And is there any tantric element involved in the sexual practice or is it just straight up sex. Well, I mean, yeah, it's all tantric, right? With the, with the, any two people and the polarity of the energies, right? The mm-hmm. masculine, and the feminine energy doesn't necessarily have to be two different sexes, but whoever holds the polarity frequency, like that's getting into the tantric experience. And so, you know, he, he would suggest using breath and he would suggest using, um, the eye gaze and the focus and the, and, and he would even say that, you, a man can actually kiss a woman in particular areas on her body to open up their erogenous zones. You don't go directly to the vagina. That's never going to work. I totally agree. 
And that can be called the lead up or foreplay or whatever you want to call it. That softening, the opening. I feel like a woman's heart has to be opened first before their body can open to a man. Absolutely. And men too. Yeah, totally. We have to start with the back of their neck and Mm. then we move to their ear. And then we start moving into their lips. Oh, good. I'm doing it just right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) One-on-one. Yeah. So we have to kind of go at it with a lot more sensitivity Mm. and a lot more patience Mm. if we want to get the most out of our our dynamic sexual experience. It's, I mean, you know, working out your tension with each other is fine. Mm. But, and it's, you know, maybe it's fun. And, and people can totally do that. But in terms of the practices that he held. Sounds like a healing approach. Yeah. And I remember there being, a, I'm going to get this wrong, but correct me on, on this. When a man, uh, when a woman has sex with a man, because he is moving into her physically, he stay, his energy stays within her aura for how many years? Her arc line, actually. Her, her arc line. Yeah, nipple to nipple, women yeah. have an arc line, and then around the halo of her head. That's where it actually stays. Mm-hmm. And um, how, how long does the man's energy stay in her um, arc line for? Some people say that it never goes. Ooh. Yeah. That's not good. And Harsh. Then, and then some people say that you can clear it. Yes, I've heard but two there are careers for, for clearing, clearing that. Clearing the arc line? Yeah. Yeah, totally. I, but... I've heard. I think you can clear it. Yeah, I've it's heard that the man's energy never leaves. Who really knows? I think that we can clear it too. Yeah, but if but I'm regurgitating um, his information, yeah, uh, it's. I thought it was seven said, years or something, and then for a man, it's three months or something like that. That a woman's energy stays in his auric field. Yeah, when I've heard a, a teacher Guru Jas talk about it, she was actually saying how it never leaves. <laughs> but but maybe it is seven years. You know, I've heard a lot of different numbers mm, okay well maybe it never leaves if you never do anything do anything about, about it, you know? mm. right right yeah i've i've hit those careers hard back in the day yeah Whew. okay so i probably we we have to wrap up soon but i just want to ask you what do you think the biggest healing element of kundalini yoga has been in your life where has it showed what has it healed really deeply in your life Hmm. practicing kundalini yoga has helped me become more sensitive to myself Mm -hmm. in the areas where I never really wanted to look deeply inside and it's allowed me to see the gifts that I have to offer and bring to the table and um how to how to do that authentically Mm. heal parts of some painful childhood wounds and childhood traumas and um, my relationship with men, mm. my relationship with women. Uh, it's, it's changed me drastically as a human being, but really helped me connect more to the sensitivity of my own heart and the sensitivity to my relationship with spirit. Cause I've always felt like an alien on planet Earth ever since probably I Probably are. Yeah. You and Jenna are probably from the same planet. I don't know, Amber. You might be from that same planet. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Let's say Pleiades. That's my favorite. <laughs> and, and, I, and so there was an isolation in that mm. as a kid. I felt really un- this is an unfamiliar place. And even as a teenager and into my 20s, like I still felt really isolated. And when I started this work, I started to feel more in union with the world that I'm in. Mm. And that is the greatest gift, which I could say has led to some true fulfillment. Mm. Nice. So good. So good. Game changer. Well, I'm enrolled. Jenna? Um, (laughs) I don't know about that, like, hour-long. Oh, come on. (laughs) Push through. Okay, so where can we find you? I want to know everything. Where do you teach? Uh, do you have workshops coming up? What's your I would go to your website? Your yeah, tell me everything. Yes, uh, you can find out all of my information on tayloriwalker.com. 
It's a new website that I just put out and I'm really proud of. I've been working on it for the last year. And I teach in Long Beach and I teach regularly on Monday and Wednesday nights, Long Beach, California. <laughs> and uh, and uh, that's at 7 p.m. and 7.15. So you can find that on my website. And I'm also launching my, I'm calling it the Uncoil Training. Mm. And it's a group training for women. It's a very intimate training. It's a small group. And it is created for women that basically can live all over the world. Uh, we'll meet weekly on the video conferencing, and then we'll have opportunities to meet in person three times. And that's going to be a really transformational program, not only encompassing kundalini yoga, but the elements of the method that I've created. And so that launches soon, which I'm very, very excited about. And, um, and then I have workshops and trainings and awesome all of that. which but they can find on the website. website awesome yeah. i want to get uncoiled i know me too Let's what's get uncoiled your method? together well how is your method different from the kundalini you have to sign up to find out <laughs> <laughs> i i've created different structures with which to look at the lens of one's own human consciousness and also how to birth the reality that they want to see in their own lives grounded in actuality, moment to moment. And I, I give a very structured way to birth all of these visions into the world. Beautiful. And also develop a higher, a higher spiritual practice and understanding of one's own emotional and psychological state. Wow. Brilliant. Yeah. Tell me where to sign. <laughs> Amazing. Taylor, thank you so much for being with us today. Yeah. That was just incredible. I feel like I've been around the universe and back. So thank you so yeah. much for joining us today. Whew, that was really great. Okay. So invitation or challenge to our listener, I suggest you try one of Taylor's courses. Why not? Or if you're in Long or, Beach, California, yeah, you have no excuse. Just try the magic of Kundalini yoga. I know that when I started it, I literally had magic happening in my life. The weirdest, most unpredictable things would be happening each day. I walked out of that yoga class and my manifestations were just popping up everywhere. It really injected an element of magic into my life. So give it a go and let us know in the comments if you've had a yoga class, a Kundalini yoga class, and if anything incredible happened or your experience of it. So that is your homework. And that's it. Thank you so much for joining us today and we're really excited to have you with us next time. Um, and thanks for supporting the good stuff. Yeah. Thank you for, for being me. here, Taylor. Really, Thank really you, grateful. honey. It, we have so much to talk about. Oh my so gosh. Glad we got we could just, I could just keep going forever. <laughs> forever. Jenna's like giving me the note like, time's up. Come on, wrap <laughs> it up. <sighs> okay. Going to have to okay. have a yerba mate I and go it. over it all. Okay. <laughs> okay. Love you. Okay. Love Bye, you. guys. Bye, Bye guys. Visit our website, themotherlovingfuture.com for more information. And please leave us a five-star review on iTunes if you like what you hear. We read every single review and comment, and we are so grateful for your support. See you next week.